Hello, everybody. Here I'm there to talk about Anchor. It's one of the best podcast uh, platforms that you can you can uh, go on. You can put all your podcasts on Apple, Google, any place. Any place to put up your podcast, you could all do it in one place. Anchor has all the tools to allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or computer. And you can distribute any of your, your podcasts on any platform like Apple, Spotify, Anchor, you know, Anchor, Stitcher, iHeart, everything. It's everything you need you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. And let me tell you, I have had great experience with Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. That is Anchor FM to get started today. Welcome to Between the West Hills. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. <laughs> very, very somber for today. I know. Actually, it is a somber day. I didn't think that this moment would come, to be honest with you. I really thought that the MLB players and the owners would come to an agreement so that we would not have to delay the start of the baseball season. However, it would appear that they just could not come to terms and uh, there is a stoppage in play. You know, it's like the one thing that we did have in the city of Detroit, we did have like, you know, a little bit of good vibes with the Tigers. Well, yeah, you know, you had Miggs who was saying, you know, hey, stayed in Detroit another year because he wanted to bring home, you know, some kind of a, you know, pennant or something for this team and uh, this city. You, and, have, you have a lot of young talent coming in. Yeah. So, I mean, there was so much to be happy about, but now it's not looking too good. Well, it's un- it really is unfortunate, I think, because, you know, when you look at what they're arguing over, I mean, really the minimum salary was uh, a major issue, but players are, you know, the players rejected the owners. The owners did come a little bit, uh, you know, t- closer to the middle on that. They, they were able to come up a little bit. Uh, players out- outwardly rejected that. Uh, a couple of sticking points that the owners refused to move on, though, is that the players wanted um, full arbitration rights and um, something else after two years for all players. And the owners outright rejected that. And I do understand that. I get that. Um, I don't think they're being terribly unreasonable, but I think the owners could have done something to address the uh, union's concerns with that. Obviously, um, they wanted, you know, these newer players um, to have some kind of arbitration, right? Some kind of recourse. I think the owners could have done something on that. Uh, I don't know why they're, they're refusing to move on that, but... Um, Ultimately, the thing is this. Let's play ball. That's all we want to do. We want to see baseball season start. We want to see spring training start. I think they should have at least started spring training maybe with, um, you know, good faith efforts of of continued negotiations. And let's just get this done. Come on. I mean, nobody wins doing this. Nobody wins. Let me be honest with you. I would rather you lie. But go ahead. <laughs> this falls at the, the hands of the owner. This falls at the hands of Rob Manfred. And this falls at the feet of both parties. Players and the owners. Let's well, be- I'd like to know who the hell's negotiating for these teams. For these sides, rather. 
Who the hell is negotiating? Because I'll tell you what, you're talking about billions and billions and billions of dollars with billionaires on both sides. What I want to know is why the heck are their negotiators not getting this done? They can afford to pay the best of the best. I don't know who they got up there. A bunch of yahoos, a bunch of clowns at this negotiating table. But they need to get them the hell out of there because they can't get it done. It's just like you pull a pitcher when he sucks. That's what they need to do. They need to pull these negotiators off the table because they're just not getting the job done. Yeah, you know what? Here's what I, here's what I say. You know, Major League Baseball for a while has been closest to the bottom of the barrel in professional sports. They have routinely shown their ass to the entire world. They have routinely uh, played the boring, boring games. I mean, you look you look at the NFL, fun to watch. You look at the NHL, fun to watch. You look at the NBA, fun to watch. You can watch all those those leagues and be entertained. With baseball, it takes a certain kind of person to be entertained throughout the whole game. That's first. The second thing the second thing is the major league baseball should have read the room and they didn't read the room. You know how you 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 uh, when you do a speech doing your political mumbo jumbo you, you read the room you read the room and you look at you look at right. okay maybe i shouldn't say this in this room this part of the room and it's obvious that major league baseball didn't read the room because their fans i don't know if they know but like the average everyday fan is probably not coming gonna come back you gotta think about it like this they can go to a base. They can go to a football game. They can go to a. They can go to a hockey game. They can go to a basketball game. And be more entertained than they are with baseball. And those leagues didn't piss on them when they had the shot. I mean, the NHL did in a long time ago, and they paid the price for it. They're they're finally starting to get their momentum back to where they were once were. Major League Baseball should have read the room because of what the current climate is. I mean, look at look. Just go look outside. You look outside. You got. People paying five dollars for gas. You got people paying like paying out the ass because inflation. They probably took a pay cut because of inflation. Like if you think that they're going to be sympathetic towards owners and players who all make millions and billions of dollars, and you know who gets screwed? It's the fan. The fan gets screwed because here's the reality: without the fans, there is no baseball. There is no sports. That's why like. If you look at the NFL, they they always incorporate the fans. Major and NHL, they they incorporate the fans. Actually, when the NHL was told that the Maple Leafs, the Senators, and the Canadians and the Flames and the Canucks couldn't have fans, they said, "Hey, guess what we're gonna do if you if you keep this up, Canada? We're moving your teams out of the the, the country so they can actually play in front of people and be happy that they're actually at home." This is a joke for Major League Baseball. It, they once again show their ass. When the COVID pandemic was actually happening, they did the same thing. They fought over money and like reduced pay and all that stuff. They could have been the first league on on to play, but they weren't. They were they were the third league because the NHL started and the NBA started before them. And if you think that anybody that is an NHL fan or an NBA fan is gonna go watch a baseball game when there's hockey on or there's basketball on, and they can actually watch good play and entertaining, you're out of your mind. Well, here's what I think's happened with the negotiations here um, in this case. I truly believe there is a reason why 
they don't want this to be resolved. I, I agree. They just don't want it to be. Because if they did, it would be. Yep. Because the the issues that they're talking about, you know, now they're talking about in the last 24 hours, the tone has changed. They're saying that they don't like the, the, the you know, I mean, who talks about, you know, if you're a skilled negotiator, and at this point, these should all be skilled negotiators we're dealing with. Yep. If you're a skilled negotiator, um, you don't sit around and talk about tone at the last minute. Okay, you might start talking about tone. Well, they didn't come to the table with the right tone. But the point is you move closer and closer to consensus and you move closer to a deal getting done. They don't want that. What baffles me, Joe, is why they don't want it. And I think you've got, you know, we were talking pre-show. You've got some thoughts about why they don't want to settle. Why don't the players want to settle? Why doesn't the league want to settle? And um, I, I don't know. Is it a money thing? Uh, you know, it's always a money thing you could argue, but you know what? You know what's interesting? Every time they do studies on you know employee relations and things of that nature, and they talk about job satisfaction, that or, or why people stay in jobs and why they leave them, and job satisfaction is always number one. Money is really always fourth, fifth, sixth on the list. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's money. I think it's something else. I mentioned this on the last show. Something intrinsic. There's got to be something that they want that the money you know, we'll get them, you know, again, what are these players looking for? It seems to me like, and this is interesting because usually union negotiations, and you know, because you know, you're, you're a union member and I've been in union negotiations on the, on management side. Um, usually the, um, the employee side is more representative of senior members, right? Senior members of the workforce. What I find interesting about this, one of the points is that they seem to be wanting to do a lot for younger players, which is interesting. I'm curious as to why that is. Is it just the senior players aren't so interested because they're kind of guys got their escape hatches or what, but they seem to be negotiating more fully on behalf of Newer players coming into the league and players that have been around, say, less than five years. That's an interesting dynamic in this particular negotiation. Um, the owners, management on the other side, seems to me like they're being almost petulant about what they aren't going to give up. And they seem to be playing the timing of this. And they don't want to be bullied around. It, it, that's the impression that I get. The bottom line is, that comes down to a schoolyard fight. That's what this has devolved to. Mm-hmm. They have got to put that aside. they got to get professionals in the room who want to get this done. And well, um, here's, here's the reality. There's no reason why they can't. The, the owners, for the longest time, they have manipulated salary for the longest time. I mean, this is, this is, this is, these are stats. These are facts. 31% of Major League Baseball players make less than a million dollars a year. 66% make less than $600,000 a year. And 16% make less than $100,000 a year. Now you think about that for you think about you think about that for a moment. You know how much the Tigers, the Angels, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Dodgers, you know how much money they pull in daily uh, Daily when they get fancier the gates. I know the Tigers haven't been good lately, 
but they still produced a decent number. But like you got teams like Pittsburgh Pirates, right? They don't pay any of their players. They they usually just say when it's up when they're up for free agency, they usually say, "All right, see you, bye." And they don't really produce a good uh, product for their fans. And that shows because the fans don't come through the turnstiles. But you got teams like the Dodgers. You got teams like the Yankees who spend and spend and spend and spend and spend. And they'll spend. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll spend and they'll get everything for it. They'll make the, the right you know adjustments. They'll show their fans that they actually care. Some of these teams don't show they, they care. So, I mean, if you're a fan, think about it. It's like back in the day when the NHL, before the NHL had a salary cap. Imagine being a team like Columbus, right? And realizing you have absolutely no shot to win a, a championship, a Stanley Cup. You had no shot because teams like the Red Wings, the Avalanche, mm-hmm. uh, uh, teams like they were just they were just the Dallas Stars were one of those teams. They were paying players because they wanted to win, and you don't obviously those smaller market teams don't have the capital to pay players like the Red Wings did when they had the 2002 roster and they had ten Hall of Famers on the, the roster. That just doesn't happen. You know, I wonder, have you seen, Joe, I haven't seen anywhere in the Detroit media, but have they made any statements about where the Illiches are on this? I mean, they are a long-time, you know, baseball legacy franchise, and they've owned it for a long time. Uh, I wonder where the Illiches are on this. Where's Detroit baseball when it comes to this? I mean, obviously, they're only one team, but I'm curious to know where where the Illiches sit I can this. imagine. I imagine they have a lot of influence I can imagine. Well, I can imagine. They have just as much influence as the Yankees brass, yeah. the Dodgers brass, the Red Sox brass, the Phillies brass, because they've been known to spend money. You know, the one thing that you could say about the Tigers, say for whatever you want to say, they've spent money to make their ball club better. A lot of teams don't do that. So I think there's a discrepancy between ownerships of each team. Like, if you're a Tigers ownership, you the Dodgers ownership, you're looking at some of these other teams that have like a thirty million dollar payroll. Yeah. And you're going, how in the hell do you expect to compete with that? Like you have absolutely no shot. And I think one of the problems that I think that the Major League Baseball is running into, and the players are running into, let's create a salary cap for. So you have to spend this certain amount because what you're having is, the the players that. Uh, the teams that don't spend, right? Right. They're shortening the free agent pool. So they have more free agents having to go on, like, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Astros, the, the Red Sox, the Tigers, the, you know, all those teams because they'll pay them, you know? You're they're, you're opening up a big uh, gap in talent mm-hmm. between the top and the bottom. And sure, you might get these teams like the – the Royals, they went a World Series out of, out of their ass. But that was because, you know, they had a team that was good enough, but they weren't, you know, they won the World Series, so they played pretty well. But that's 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 not the reality. That's just an anomaly, you know? Well, you know, and it's interesting. We were talking about how much money, What what is the impact of the, the financial impact, right? Here Here's the thing, and maybe this is why the players are making a little more movement than the owners. And keep in mind, but if this is what the if this is what the players are gonna lose, let me read you just some numbers, Joe. Imagine what the what the clubs are losing, right? 
They're not losing money though. But let's but let's look at this. If the season doesn't start, right? Okay, you've got Justin Verlander is going to lose one hundred and thirty-four thousand four hundred nine dollars per day. Yep. You've got Max Scherzer, and I'm bringing these up because these are all former Tigers guys. Yep. Former Tiger Max Scherzer, now playing for the Mets, will lose two hundred and thirty-three thousand dollars a day. Yep. Um. You know, in total, players lose about $20 million a day in salaries if their season is shortened. So if the if they're losing that kind of money, you have to ask yourself, what is it losing? What, what do the clubs lose? And how much are they willing to lose? It seems to me, for some of the numbers they're talking about, and this is why this makes no sense, and this is why it supports my suggestion that they don't, want to end this and they're being petulant like little kids out on the playground and and I think this has really become about ego. I really do. I don't think it's about money because look how much they're losing. Um this if the players are losing 20 million a day, ownership is losing more than that. No, no. So, I don't no, why no. do you say that, Joe? Because the owners are the one that they're saving that money. They're saving that money. They don't have to pay the players that money. They're saving money. They're not. Listen, the one thing you're you're not understanding, and you're, I know where you're coming from, but here's the reality of the situation: they're not paying people that that staff the park, which is that's that's the biggest anomaly in all this because some of those people need these jobs. They count on these jobs, you know, through the summer. You know, it might be it might be their way of getting out of the house. A lot of older people, or it might be their they're living. They might be a Red Wings. They might be as a staff for the Red Wings, and they might go to Comerica Park in the in the summer. Here's the reality: they don't have to pay these guys that they staff the the, uh, the park with. They don't have to pay the players. All they're doing is they're sitting on their their multi-billion-dollar uh, enterprise, which is the stadium and everything that's sitting vacant in a city that you know. Like, let's think about Detroit. Look, I wonder how much money the city of Detroit's going to lose if this goes on through, like I like I said last week, it goes through May 17th. This isn't about the owners. The owners are perpetually. They're not there. They're not, they don't, they're, they're, they have a monotone to, this This is, the owners losing money is, a, is an outright lie because they're not losing money. See, I disagree because I maintain Okay, I will agree they're not having to pay money out, but they're not bringing money in either. They're not bringing in ad revenue. They're not bringing in parking revenue. They're not bringing in ticket sales. They're not bringing in merchandise. I think the owners are going to lose far more than the players. No, they're not. Because last year, the Braves, which is owned by Liberty Media, which they had to to disclose their earnings because of tax reasons. You know how much money they made per day when the gates were open? Not even on game days that were at Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You know how much they made every game? How much money did they make? Six million every day throughout the season. Six million dollars. Let's say let's say the the season. Let's say six million times forty. What is that? Uh, two hundred and forty. Last time I checked. Right. So it's two hundred forty million that you made in forty days. So don't spare spare me the whole ownership crap because listen. The reality of the situation is they don't have to pay the players. They're not playing the staff. They're not doing anything. 
they're sitting on multi-million dollar enterprises and the reality of the situation is I don't even think they wanted to play to be honest because if you look at the negotiations they the Major League Baseball made the imposium to lock the teams out they could have they could have negotiated in good faith to the players union but they didn't decide to do that and then it took them 40 days to actually come up with an offer. There you go. Now, there that's a point right there, that it took management 40 days to come up with an, uh, with a, even some semblance of an, an offer for them to negotiate with. That's another indication that they didn't want to get this done. They dragged their feet. They slow-walked this. And yep. that's I'll tell you, that's a problem I've got with the ownership. I think that's a failure on their part. It was interesting. They said, you know, if we can just put any competent business owners involved you know in charge here they could get it done because i'll tell you nobody nobody would be it would not be acceptable in any situation in any negotiation for one side to wait 40, 40 days, days to come up with an offer that's almost that's a, unacceptable it's a, it's a month and 10 days if you're if it's that's 30 ridiculous days. and you know the, you know what the most ridiculous thing is cindy the most ridiculous thing is if you took the players out, right, and you put players in, like, from the minor leagues, right, the game would suffer greatly. If you had no owners, would the game suffer greatly? Like, if, if, you, if, you, had, if you had owners who weren't standing in the way of baseball, they weren't standing in the way of the game, and they played with the players, and, you know, they did that. Baseball needs the players more than the owners need the owners. They need... The play, the players are the one that bring in the revenue. They're the ones that drive people to the ballpark. They're the ones that bring people to the ballpark. Don't tell me that there's people in Los Angeles that are not coming to see a guy like uh, uh, Bellinger or Kershaw when he was playing. Or if you go to the Angels, you got Shohei Otani and you got Mike Trout. You look at Detroit, like you, you could have potentially a Riley Green coming up from the pike, and people will come to pay, watch him because he's a rising yeah. star. Cabrera, Cabrera. You, got, you go to New yeah. York, you got Aaron Judge, you got Joey Gallo. It's it's these these players. They drive people to the ballpark. And Major League Baseball, they do the same thing that NHL has done. They are very very mar- bad at marketing their players. And the reality of the situation is, if these players go out and they play in different countries, like. There was uh, Bryce Harper. He he was saying that you know he had a Tokyo jersey on, saying that he was going to go play in Tokyo if the the baseball whatever. That probably be the most exposure baseball has got in a long time because they are so bad at branding themselves that they, they that the players are actually branding themselves more than the game is. Well, that's I guess that is true, and you've seen players in all sports take more control over their personal brand and in terms of not only developing it but marketing it and so forth and I think that's a smart thing to do that's your product that's your brand and that's what you're selling but we're talking about you know we've talked about players losing 20 million dollars a day the, the owners are losing you know 250 million or, or there's 250 million dollars that can be made in a 40-day period or whatever so let's look at some of the numbers out of this negotiation right apparently uh, they've got a couple of areas, and we talked a little bit about one, and one is the pre-arbitration bar- uh, bonus pool. That's kind of uh, something new that's been brought in this year. 
But let's look at where they're at on that. That to me is a huge divide that shouldn't be there because it's 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 almost like sugar, right? Uh, this this is a little sweetener that got thrown in there. The players are proposing 115 million. The owner's proposal is only 20 million. I don't see any reason why. Now that 115 million, I was told, is going to come down to 85 million. So that's a considerable concession from the players. I don't see any reason when we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars inside of a 45-day window. I don't see where it makes any sense for the owners to hold out on coming up 40, 50 million and maybe getting to a a midpoint there for this pre-arb bonus pool. That's one area where I don't see it, it why they don't make that. It just goes to show that they really... And it's a one-time shot. It's not like it's multiplied over multiple players. It just goes to show that Major League Baseball's owners didn't take this seriously. And I hope that they know that they are going to absolutely kill their product. Because if you think you had a problem getting people to the ballpark not before, it's going to be 20 times worse. Because I remember you telling me a story about your, your, your dad. Your dad was a ball player, and he hated the lockout. There is people right now that they might love baseball. I love baseball. You love baseball. Yeah. Would I go to see? A, would I go pay to see a Tigers game right now? Probably, probably not. And right now, the Detroit, uh, the the Detroit soccer team, the D, the uh, Detroit FC, whatever, they're offering Detroit Tigers fans free tickets to their games. So, Smart move. So if you think that if you, if you think that the minor league teams won't do this. You're gonna, you're, you're, the MLB is really just going to sabotage themselves. It's kind of sad because they're really, they've really became what they really didn't want to become. Well, it's too bad. It's too bad for baseball. I think that you know the owners and the players are entrenched in this, you know, tug of war. This, this, this backyard, you know, schoolyard bully fight with each other. It's 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 stupid and the people who pay the price at the end of the day is are the fans. The fans are the ones that suffer and if they care about their fans, they'll get it together and they'll get a team on the field. It's a little too late. Sooner. They they got it. They've got it. No, I don't think it's too late to come to that realization. They can end this lockout tomorrow. The owners can end this lockout tomorrow. But they have, they sh- have they shown have they shown that they are willing to do that? Because I don't think I really don't think that okay my my last point is this. I really don't think the owners or the players wanted to be the person that looked like the bad guy. But I think when we look at this and we look at what the players do has done and what the what the play, it's just baseball and whole has looked really, really bad. We can only hope it gets better, Joe, and gets better quick because we're gonna need well, I, I don't think our Red Wings are gonna pull it out into the playoffs, so that's gonna be over for us. The Lions season, obviously, football is way over for everybody. But the draft is coming up because Tigers aren't playing, so see you, Tigers. All right. The best thing we got to look forward to is the draft. The death to baseball. Let's draft players. We can never play because we're not playing anymore. Eh, well, <laughs> the, the, the NFL actually has good collective bargaining agreements. So does NHL and the NBA. They really, MLB needs to hire them. Well, they just need they just need to talk to the right commissioners like Gary Bettman, Roger Goodell, and Adam Silver and see how an actual commissioner like looks like. Get it done, MLB. The next segment we will be talking about the Red Wings and their needs going into next season because boy do they have a lot of needs. Welcome to Cindy and Joe's show. 
I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And on this portion of Between the Whistles, we are talking the Red Wings. And were they on fire the other day against the Toronto Maple Leafs? But it wasn't hot enough. When you say fire, you mean flaming garbage, right? <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you. Well, the offense was on fire. I mean, you know, you don't just go off and score seven goals every day. Yeah, you know, the one thing I looked at with this team, mm-hmm. and, like, I was watching the game, and I was going to go to the game, but I didn't go because, you know, I wasn't paying that much money because I didn't. First of all, I don't want to deal with Leaf, Leaf fans. I think they're an abysmal uh, uh. portion of the society. They should stay in Canada with their, you know, prime minister. But listen, I watched that game, and as a goalie, as someone who values defense, I was like, oh, my Lord. These two teams are quite possibly the worst defensive teams in hockey and I'm not even kidding you. Well, they were that day. No, because they were it's that not day. even that day. It's This has been the whole season. For the Maple Leafs, they outscore their mistakes a lot of times in, 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 in all their games. Yeah. They are the over kings, if you're talking in batting circles. Over kings, because they always, they're always, not without a doubt, they're always giving up at least three to four goals. Period. Red Wings. I feel bad for Blashill. I feel bad for the forwards because they are constantly like, what the heck do we have to do to actually win a game? And when they do win a game, it's because they're scoring a lot. That's when they win games. And I feel bad for Nadelkovich because half the time, Nadelkovich and Grice are, are out to lunch because they have no shot. Because outside Moritz Sider, they don't have a guy on defense who actually knows what he's doing. You know... I, I, I think they know what they're doing. They just can't get it together. I, I will I'll agree with you here that that game absolutely highlighted the Red Wings' need for defense and their really their weakness of their defense. Um, you know, Mark Stahl said after the game, you know, we didn't you know, we shouldn't be disappointed. We didn't deserve to win that game. Uh, you know, he knows what's going on. He's a veteran. He understands. He knows how bad it is. He's played on teams with good defense before, and now he's on this one. He knows what he's talking about. I, you could see the frustration and the irritation with, when, you know, just like, what are you talking about? You know, we're, don't even talk about that we should have won that game or had a chance to win that game. We were playing so badly, we didn't deserve to win that game. However, Toronto was playing badly, too, as you pointed out. Their defense fell apart. Um, I think they got way overconfident when they got that early lead on the wings in the first period. And um, they let that, you know, get the better of them as far as, you know, when the wings came back and went on that scoring rampage there. And um, it just, but, you know, Stahl was right. The Red Wings were not playing well enough to beat Toronto. But Toronto, it was like the worst of the worst there. It was, it was a fun game to watch. It was a fun game to watch, a lot of high scoring. It was a great game if you were just bringing somebody who was just getting introduced to the game and they want to see a lot of goals and all that kind of stuff. But, my God, I mean, you've got, you know, you're just as well to put the forwards on defense. Mm. And you may just get, I mean, you had Bertuzzi playing defense. You had Larkin playing defense because you had no defenseman showing up for Detroit with the exception of Mo Sider, who, by the way, what poison skill does that guy have? I mean, I say it all the time, but I'm just amazed by it. And I know you were the first one to really talk about Mo Sider. 
Um, and you know, and then I kind of got on the most cider train and then he couldn't shut me up about this guy because I'm so impressed with him, you know, and then, you know, Lucas Raymond, uh, you know, the other rookie, I mean, those two couldn't be any more impressive. It's just a damn shame that they're playing on a team that doesn't seem to be able to get it together enough to really utilize their talent. You know, what's, you know, what's the sad part about the, the Red Wings is they have some pretty good talent, but they're a little bit, they're not as quick as, they're not going to be as quick as a team as we thought they were going to be as, you know, going to the playoffs and everything. Well, we were really hoping they'd get to the playoffs. Well, yeah. I mean, mathematically, it's still possible. It's still possible, but, but I don't see but it you, But you have to get on a run. You have a tough schedule, and these teams that you're playing, the the, the mistakes that you make in the D zone, they're going to capitalize. The teams like the Florida, the Tampa, Tampa Bay, Bay, the Boston, Carolina. Carolina. Yep. I mean, you play these teams, and you allow them one inch, and they'll take a mile. The reality of the situation, you know, I looked at, I watched that game with Toronto, and I watched that game with Colorado, and I've been watching them steadily. And, you know, everyone points to Blashill as, like, a, fo- a focus of blame because, you know, the team isn't playing good or whatever. But, you like, you look at this team and you go, it's kind of what Eisenman wants, to be honest. Because if you're, lo- if you're asking me, to be honest, he wanted to see what these guys would do. A guy like Phil Perron, a guy like Danny DeKaiser, a guy like Stetcher, a guy like... Uh, Gustav Lindstrom, who's he's been good and he's been he's been bad. He's, he looks like a, a third pairing type defenseman on a good team, but you have guys that are on your second pair that wouldn't be on the second pair on a playoff team, and you have a guy on your first pair outside of Cider who wouldn't be on a first pair team, a first pairing defenseman on any team. Well, I think it says something about your organization is talent level when you've got. Two of your rookies who are playing at top line and top defensive pairing. Yeah, I mean these are your. You it's know, good. It's good experience for them. It's good. It's, let's let's be, let's let's put where that is. It's good experience for them, but it shows how talentless this roster really is. I mean, Cider, if he was on a good team, probably be on a second pair. Right. You know, if he was on a team with like the like the Florida Panthers, right? He'd probably be on the second pair. If he was on the team of Camp Bay, probably on the second pair too. Here, he's the first pair because there is no one else to be on the first pair. So now you were saying last show we covered a couple of things, which by the way I was right. I said they'd fall to Toronto. You said they'd beat Toronto, I so thought, I was right. Yeah, I, thank well, you. I, I knew. I Say, knew Cindy, this. you were right. You were right, but I knew that the, the yes, Rebels, I knew the, I knew the Rebels would score, and they did score, but they just let in more goals than they score. Well, yeah. But I knew they would. And by the way, I'm three for three now. Three for three. I called the Rangers game. I called the Avs. And I called Toronto. Just saying. Now, let's talk about Carolina. Because they're going to be playing Carolina tonight. They might even be playing them uh, before. Hopefully, we'll get the segment up before the Carolina game. But I will tell you, it is 6.19 p.m. right now on Tuesday, March the 1st. Yep. Just so everybody knows when I'm saying this. I think this game is going to be close. It would not surprise me if it is tied and goes into overtime. What I don't know is if the Wings will be able to pull it out in overtime uh, to beat Carolina. I think what's going to happen wouldn't surprise me if this is like a 2-2 or 3-1 game. Um, 
it's going to just depend, and it's going to come down to the third period in my mind. I think Carolina, I, if the Wings score first, Carolina's going to come up on them and take it back. But I think what will probably happen is Carolina is going to come out, going to score first. I think the Wings are going to answer. I think we're going to go to overtime in this game, and if we don't, it'll be answered with a late period goal in the third to make it 3-1. That's kind of what I think, or, you know, to make it, yeah, I think it'll go 3-1 at the end of, end of the third period. I think that... I think you're on to something, but I think, you know, the Red Wings, they've shown a, a determination to not be embarrassed two nights in a row. Right. They didn't get embarrassed against Colorado. They just, there was, they, their talent level compared to Colorado was, it was off the charts. Oh, you, you, you couldn't even compare them in the Colorado game. You can see why Colorado has consistently been a playoff level team for the last, like, what, three years? They, got a, lot the of, they got a lot of talent on that team, and it, even Toronto got a lot of talent on their forward group. But their defensive group is very, very bad, and that's because, well, when you pay a guy like Jonathan Tavares, you know, $11 million, you pay a guy like Austin Matthews $11 million, and you pay a guy like Mitch Marner $11 million, you know, there's not much room for you to get your defense back, your goaltending back. That's why you lost Frederick Anderson to Carolina, who that's their goalie. Yeah. It just, it's, for the Red Wings, it's like, they play so good against their. They play so good, and they sometimes they play above their talent level. Well, I what I think what I think was good about the Toronto game for the Red Wings, even though it was it resulted in a loss, they played badly. Their defense fell apart. There's one thing that's the truth, and any any hockey player I think out there will agree with me on this, and that is when you score goals, even if it's against an, a horrible off a horrible defense, like you pointed out, Toronto has. Scoring all those goals does help promote confidence, which will help in the next game. So the fact that these guys got some goals in on on Toronto um, at home, they got some goals in. Now they're going to face Carolina. I think they're still going to be, you know, that's going to be um, feeding into a little bit of a, of a confidence booster form after getting so badly beaten by Colorado, right, as you pointed out. I think it may change the momentum and change the trajectory of the energy um, as opposed to if they would have gotten blown out, which would have looked like it was going to happen in like a you know 6-1 loss to, to, to uh, Toronto. If that would have happened, if those two devastating losses, the Avs and then, and then uh, Toronto would have happened back-to-back without the Wings scoring those answering goals, that could very well have just been doom for the Red Wings season, period. But I think the fact that they were able to score those goals may help mitigate that problem going in. And that's why I think that this game with Carolina tonight will at least be competitive. I don't know if they're going to win it. I would love to think they will. I'll be honest with you, if I were a betting woman, I'd have to bet on the air on the side of I don't think the Wings will pull it out tonight, but I think it'll be close. I think it'll be competitive. Um, and I think it will be a, a, a much more quality game to watch in terms of um, the the match talent levels with Carolina. I think I think the Wings are going to look better tonight than they did against Toronto. Well, they better because, let's be honest, they didn't look good against the Maple Leafs and Colorado. It just shows that their talent level is on par with those two teams. And it just shows that they've got CBY has to make some decisions this, this offseason in many facets. Um, hopefully he gets a good lottery pick when the lottery drops, you know, hopefully he gets one of those picks that lands him in the top three. 
um, and he can get another guy that he covets, you know. But think he's going to move at the trade deadline? Because we talked last show. You said they got to win, and they didn't. So now, I think according I, to your according to your theory, Joe, that should mean Stevie gets active at the trade deadline doing be, something. He will be a seller at the deadline. Okay, no doubt about it. I think you're. Who's gonna he going to sell? I think you're going to see Nick Letty gone. I think you're going to see Vladis not Meskov gone. I think you'll. I think I think there's a potential, uh, and this would be an absolute phenomenal move if he can do it. I think there's a shot that Phil Peronic might be traded. I think if you're a playoff team, I mean, I I would like to keep her on it because I think he's he has a good offensive prowess, you know. But like, good look at look at the NHL. They covet these guys who can be a power play guy who can move the puck, and that's one of the things he can do. He's not good on defense, but he's good on, on moving the puck. And you know who was that like that it was Mike Green. Mike Green was the same. I love Mike Green. Mike Green, was, Mike, Mike Green, and, and Phil Peronic, they match each other because they have their right-handed shots. They have a little bit of power, and I think they're come trade deadline. There's going to be a teams that are going to be looking for a shot on the power play who can, you know, move the puck and be the second fiddle to an, another defenseman. Possibly, possibly. Um, I think moving Veronic would be a good move too. I think there's a there's value he could get it for him. I also think Philip Zadina. Uh he could be on the move with Zadina. Zindina, I think he could get quite a bit in the market for. I think you might be right on Letty. I think another one he might be looking at um to maybe package up in a deal or see if he could do something with, honestly, is Valeno. I think Valeno might be on the move um, as well. So see, I, I don't think I don't think Valeno or Zadina will be on the move. I don't I because think. you think that Stevie's going to stick with his young guys, building up his his young core. You think that's part of the core, but but look who he's got coming up: Edmondson, Soderblom, Bergeron. Those are three yeah, but, right there. Yeah, they're but, outperforming Zadina and Valeno, and they're still in the yeah, minors. Yeah, but they haven't got the NHL level, and we don't know what they can do with the NHL level. They could be like Valeno and Zadina, you know. Yeah, but they're coming out of the same. They're coming out of the same womb, and I'm talking about Swedish Hockey League. They're coming out of that same training pool as Cider and Raymond. And I think you're going to see similar results. I think Valeno has earned his spot. I think he's played very, very well coming up here and playing playing the way he's played. I think I think I think Robin fans are. They, I don't think they understand that you're not you're not in the business to give away prospects right now. You're, you're not. You're just not. And NHL teams don't want prospects, guys. They want guys that can make an immediate impact. So you're looking at a guy like Nemestikov. You're looking at a guy like Stahl. You're looking at a guy like Letty. You're looking at a guy like Peronic that he because he, he's he's not a prospect, but he's young enough to where you could keep him. But if the right deal comes along and they say, okay, how about we give you uh, two first round picks back back to back years for Domestikov and Peronic? You're probably gonna take it. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think that I think Steve's gonna be active at the trade deadline. Also, I think he sees he's got to make some moves here. Um, I, I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing these these prospects coming up. You know, we've always looked deep into the prospect pool. You know, again, we called Cider and Raymond before anybody was ever talking about yep. Simon and Raymond. You, you you heard us on Between the Whistles on the Cindy and Joe show. We were talking about these guys. And I'll tell you, those three other three I just mentioned to you, 
Uh, we were talking about Bergen before anybody else. Soderblom. Really. Yep. You know, Soderblom, I mean, who's just tearing it up in the Swedish... He's outperforming in the Swedish Hockey League what they thought he would. Um, you know, you got Edmondson, who they're saying is even going to be better than Moritz Sider. Um, you know, it, so... It just it shows that CUI knows how to draft. It shows that when Ken Holland left, he left some decent talent, but he didn't leave enough talent. And it shows you that... Listen, Eisman had he, when he came in here, he said patience, and that's what you're gonna see. Because you look at this team right now. I mean, everyone calls for Blackshell's head. Everyone calls for everybody else's head. Like that, they think they're the reasons that why they're not winning. Well, what do you, what do you, what does it say, Joe? What does it say when you? And I like Jeff Blashell. You know, I've said it a hundred times. Personally, the guy is a, an absolute sweetheart. I love him, but. What does it say when you got the same guy behind the bench for seven years? You can see why the fans would think this. Seven years, the guy's been behind the bench, and for seven years, it's been consistent losses. We've seen some progress, yes, but I think you would have seen that regardless of who's no, behind the bench. No, you wouldn't have. See, now I knew you would say that. You, you wouldn't have, because here's the reality, and I don't, I don't think people understand So that's this. why they want Blashell's head, but I'm just I, pointing I, it out. I know, I, I, know, I know what you're saying. I know what they're saying. I, I know that you, you've seen minimal product growth, but like, look at the rosters that he's had. And tell me, those are winning rosters. He's not going to win with those rosters. The NHL is a parody product. You're not. If you don't have top end talent, you're not winning against some of these teams. You know, like the uh, the Rangers, right? They had a quick rebuild, but they spent some money. They spent money on Zibanejad. They got lucky on a guy like Adam Fox, who was a Norris Trophy winner. They signed him out. Of, RFA because Calgary didn't want him. I mean, Carolina didn't want him. And he's a Norris Trophy winner. It takes luck like that. And I think that's what the Rebbings are looking for. Even when uh, Eisman was in Tampa Bay, one of the things that really kick-started his rebuild and made the team better, and this is probably what he's looking at, he had a guy like Corey, Corey Conacher, and I don't think you know who Corey Conacher is because a lot of people don't know who Corey Conacher is. But he was the guy who brought Ben Bishop to Tampa Bay. He was a very, very decent player in Tampa Bay. Had some potential, but he shipped him off because he got a good deal for him and he made the deal. And Conacher didn't last in the NHL that long. Probably the same thing with, with uh, the Rebels. He's going to need to make a deal that the fans won't get, but that's what's going to have to happen because this team is not talented, and you don't care who's your coach. You can have Gallant as your coach. You could have Scotty Bowman as your coach. Talent's talent. Talent wins out, period. You don't mm. you don't see you, – you bring up the 80 Olympic team, but that's a anomaly. It's an anomaly. Go look at the Stanley Cup champions and tell me one team that wasn't talented. That wasn't head top end talent. I mean, you look at Tampa Bay; they've won it the past two years, and look at their talent. They're probably their third forward, their third, their third centerman, probably could start for in the second line of the Red Wings. I mean, that's just yeah. that's just the reality. It's it's it, you, it's Anthony Cirelli is their their third line centerman. He'd be second easily in Detroit. Right, right. Well, I tell you, the I think it's going to be another couple of years before. Detroit brings home a trophy, mm-hmm. except. Well, let me let me rephrase it. No, I'll tell you, they are going to bring home a trophy this year. I'm confident of it. And you know what trophy they're going to bring home? Rookie of the year. 
Because it's going to be either Cider or Raymond. It's going to be Cider. Did you see what John Scott said about Cider? Go ahead. He said Cider's already a top 10 defenseman in the NHL. Oh, no doubt. And the t- well, but you- Lucas Raymond made it to 40 points before any other rookie in the NHL this year. But you got to look at it like this, though. To be top 10 defenseman in the NHL right now, there is a lot of good defensemen in the NHL. To be a top 10 defenseman from a former NHL player, that says a lot. Because there is a lot of great defensemen out there. You got the... You got the... Uh, Boy, I wish we could get a few of them. <laughs> well, you know, it's an embarrassment of riches what Tampa Bay has. With the Sergachevs, the McDonough's, the Hedmans. Right. I mean, they got three guys who could probably start on their first defense. Oh, easy, easy. Well, like we said, it's it's almost... You pretty much have most cider out there by himself. God bless him. But... Uh, yeah, no, I think we are going to bring home a Rookie of the Year for sure. But I think that's about all we're going to get this year. And I hate to say that. It makes me disappointed. But, hey, maybe, you never know. Again, we haven't seen this roster with Jacob Vrana back in it. And that's, that's is, he in, is he in the lineup tonight? Because I haven't looked. And that's the thing that hurts a lot. Is he, is he in the, I don't think he is in the lineup. Ah, that sucks. I, I, think, I think that's the thing that hurts the Red Wings a little bit. Is I think if they did have Vrana the whole season... I think this season could be a little bit different. I think... Oh, no doubt about it. It, cha- it completely changes their power play units. It completely changes their ability to, um, to keep pressure and, and keep the, the but, puck in the zone, which even, they not, struggle not, just, with. Just think of it like this. The Red Wings are not the most talented team. It's obvious. So adding a little bit of talent could give them a much-needed step up to where they are competing with Boston for the final playoff spot. Because they are within distance, but they're now getting, you know, Boston's creating a little bit of a lead where I don't think they're going to overcome it. But Veronica could have been the points of, he could have been, he could have been the difference between six or seven points in standings. And that would be, you'd be neck and neck with Boston right now. Oh, sure. And, and as we pointed out before, as we did last show, they're in a, they're in a very, very tough division. It's a very tough division. But, uh, but yeah, Verana is definitely a, a difference maker. He's a change. He could be a change agent there. He could definitely make a difference for the Wings. And I, the fact that he has not been in the lineup um, has hurt them. It, it, I believe it has. But let's see what happens tonight against Carolina. Let's see if uh, they can pull it out. I don't think they will. I think. Oh, be positive, Joe. I already said that. I didn't think they were going to do it either. But somebody has to be the sunshine Against the rain. Because you know what happens when you have sunshine and rain? You get rainbows. It's all, it's all happiness and unicorns and rainbows, Joe. I just think... <laughs> I, I just think that... Um, You're not buying it? No. Okay. I just think that the Fords of Carolina, they won't let the Detroit Ravens defense off a little bit. You know, one of the things that Carolina does amazingly is... They play such a round, well-rounded game where they make plays and they do. They you give them an inch, they take a mile, and that's against good teams. And they have continued to, you know, we talk about we talk about Blasio and how you know, look at the growth that he's made this year with the team, which they're not really that talented. But you look at a guy like Rob Brendamore, and you look at that's that's kind of what Blasio has been preaching is the de- the team defense. If you look at Carolina, the way that they play defense, that's what that's what Detroit wants to be. Where they play good defense, they play and that defense translates translates to offense. 
and they make they make it well rounded. And I think that's that's what Detroit wants to become. You know, I got to tell you, I think one of the mistakes that Detroit's been making the last few games is scratching Giovanni Smith. I think that's been a mistake. I think they should have had Smith in the lineup. Um, they're taking Mark Stahl. He's a he's a healthy scratch tonight too. Um, and uh, it looks like you're right. Verona is again not in the lineup. You've got Zadina, Larkin, and Raymond on the top line. Fabry, Bertuzzi, and Suter is your second line. Rasmussen, Valeno, and Nemetsnikov your third line. And they got Ernie, Rowney, and Gagne. And then as far as your uh, defensive pairings, you got top pair is uh, Letty Sider. Then you got Osterley and Horonic. And uh, interesting, DeKaiser and Lindstrom down to the third pairing. And um, then you've got Delkovich in, in net, it looks like. So, Playing his former team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's so that, it says, that'll be interesting. It tells you how bad the Rebbings defense is when Jordan Osterley is your, on your second, second line of yeah. defense. That tells you how bad this, this Rebbings defense core is. I mean, even with even with Phoenix, he was their third. I mean, not Phoenix, Arizona Coyotes. He was their third pair. Sometimes their seventh D-man. Like, there's a lot of work to be done on the defensive end, defensive end, and that's 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 probably going to be Eisman's number one goal this year is looking at that defense and how he can shore it up with a, a signing or a trade or something like that. Well, Detroit is playing Carolina, who is the top team in the Metropolitan Division, and uh, let's see how they do. It'll be interesting to see how they do. I don't have good recollection for them, but we'll see how they do, and we'll see you next week when we talk more Detroit sports. Obviously. Maybe we'll talk about the Pistons and how crappy they are. (laughs) We talked baseball and hockey this week. We're going to talk, I think, probably a little bit of basketball next week, keep you updated on our thoughts on the MLB situation and how Major League Baseball is moving along, we'll where our a, wings are at. We'll have a good look at the tournament watch for the NCAA. Big game between Michigan State and Michigan tonight, because yep. Michigan has to win this game to get probably in the tournament. So, oh, And Michigan done. State's Tom Izzo could be the winningest coach against a team that he absolutely hates. Yep, heard that. Sounds like great stuff. All good things to talk about next week. Maybe we'll throw another one of those little novelty sessions in next week. Joe, we'll talk about, we talked about monkeys getting it on Mm. uh, a few weeks ago. One of our most popular segments. Uh, Maybe we'll find something else to talk about. Probably, yeah. Let's do do it. it. Yep. We'll see you next week on Between the Whistles, Detroit. See you then.